Beloved, we turn to Ephesians 5, verse 20. It's possible I've preached on this in the past for a Thanksgiving service. I, I intended to go back and double check. But it's funny, I, I find myself saying, and I was actually planning on preaching a different verse today that I'll still include. And by the way, I was planning on preaching a different text entirely in a completely different topic and sermon. But as I kept praying, I just felt the Lord was leading me to this today for us. And ended up in Ephesians 5.20, and it occurred to me, you know, there's also that instinct, oh, maybe I should save this for a Thanksgiving service. You know, you're always kind of thinking of verses you can use to talk about Thanksgiving. You probably have used it already. But I, the reason I mention that is, you know, isn't that funny? We almost think like we have to be thankful once a year, right? <laughs> and, and not, of course, not really. But isn't that funny? Like, well, this, we need to be thinking about being, giving thanks all the time. And uh, that's, of course, what this verse will tell us. Hear now the word of the Lord, Ephesians 5, verse 20 is our text, uh, but as I will look at a little context with you, I want to start uh, with verse 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks Always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we will look at the next verse. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That's kind of a, a short pericope within a larger context. Pericope being kind of verses that all really go together as a complete thought. Of course, they're always connected to what comes and is before and after. But I want to read that section to you, but I do want to go back to verse 20 and read it again as this is the focus of our sermon today. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what we're particularly thinking on, obviously, <clears throat> excuse me. Thanks is always unto God. That's what we have to have in view, although that can be reflected in how we're thankful to and of for one another. But the idea of giving thanks is what we're focusing on today, thinking of giving it to God. And the idea of what it's saying is always for all things. Give thanks to God always, always is what we're emphasizing all the time for all things. Elder Renner and I uh, recently, as you know, attended Providence Christian College. Uh, they gave a presentation in Pasadena about the history of the college. And the very first president uh, was giving this message, Mr. Jim Denuden. And we were really blessed by the message. Uh, this message this morning and this evening will both reflect it, especially this evening's message, which is on a, a text I'm surprised I've never preached on before, but a very well-known text, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not on thine own understanding, and all his all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will make thy path straight. That was his theme verse, and uh, there's some other things we'll share with you that just, we find ourselves keep quoting his message. It was just a blessing. I want to pass it on to you. But also want to share something that he shared that became a bit of a refrain for us as well. Uh, Mr. Denuten shared about his father and how sometimes he would take him to a Dodgers game. We'll forgive it was the Dodgers, but it, uh, he would take him to a Dodgers game uh, once in a while. And his father, I, I gathered maybe not a man's of great means, would take him and they'd sit in the seats, which I'm used to referring to by how he described them as what we call the nosebleeds. You know, you're so high up. It's like being up in the mountains that can make your nose bleed. You know, my brother used to get nosebleeds a lot when we lived in Colorado because of the high altitude. So it's metaphorically joking. You're way up in the back, way in the back seats. And um, here's what his father would always say as they would climb up and finally sit down in those seats way up high in the back. He'd sit there and he'd say to his son, Mr. Denuden, who's speaking, aren't these great seats? Aren't these great seats? Can you imagine looking around at the field and all you get to enjoy and just we get to be here looking at all this and enjoy ourselves. Aren't these great seats? And, uh, you know, Mr. Renner and I, when we had a lot of busy work to do for the church this week, that turns out will be more busy work. We did say to ourselves as we were sitting in the seats in my office, aren't these great seats? And I hope you're thinking to yourselves right now as you're sitting in these pews, aren't these great seats? Especially here, right before the Lord in worship. This is the Christian way to live. 
appreciative, appreciative, appreciating, appreciative. God's people filled with the Holy Spirit ought to always be found with an attitude of gratitude for everything to God in Christ. I give that to you as the main idea of this verse in its context that we read. God's people filled with the Holy Spirit ought to always be found with an attitude of gratitude for everything to God in Christ. And of course, if that attitude of gratitude is there all the time, it will be witnessed all the time through our faces, through when we write thank you notes. You know, when we just say thank you and we say to one another, I appreciate you. But most importantly, when we just appreciate God and all of it, we're just always thankful, always thankful. Now, in fact, remember, this is God's will for you, the church. There are two things, remember, that the New Testament says is God's will for you. When people say, well, I don't know what's God's will for my life. I got the answer. Easy. Got it for you. One, be thankful. That's God's will for your life. Oh, I don't know. What if this? Oh, there you go. <laughs> You're already fine. Be thankful where you are right now with what you have right now. That's his will for you. First Thessalonians 5 verse 18. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I was going to preach on that text, but where I felt the Lord was leading me, I went to Ephesians 520 because it has a little bit more of the sense of all the time, always. I think that's helpful. Always have this heart of being thankful. This is God's will for you. Now, interestingly, the other thing, there's two things. And you know this, we've looked at it before. The second thing that God says is his will for your life. You don't have to wonder. You can know God's will for your life is to be thankful and to be sanctified. To be holy. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3, a little earlier, it's the same book. Two things will for your life. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3 is your sanctification, your holiness. As he says elsewhere, be holy as I am holy. I've made you holy. But we're focusing on his will for our lives is thankfulness. Thankfulness. And beloved, aren't they so closely related when you think about it? Thankfulness and holiness. Sanctification. And thanksgiving, gratitude, aren't they so closely related? Recognizing our holy God has made us holy in Christ, given us the Holy Spirit, called us to a holy life to give honor to our Father and hallow his name in heaven. I mean, just be thankful that he's made us and that he's redeemed us and recreated us. Don't they go so closely together? I would argue people who are particularly unthankful are probably particularly unholy. And people who are especially thankful are probably particularly holy. Now, granted, we all have our different dispositions. Some I will often call Eeyore. We can tend to have a different disposition, a different kind of way about us. But generally speaking, however, whoever we are, we need to learn to be thankful. This is God's will for our life, and it's so much a holy activity. After all, if we're living with the Lord and appreciating him and just always recognizing and acknowledging him and everything with a grateful heart, are we not going to be holy because that's spending time in his holy presence, in holy fellowship? Because thankfulness, what do the scriptures speak about so often? Offering up sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving. It's just an act of worship. It's an act of worshiping God. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 tells us, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit, bear the spirit's fruits. Now there it does not list thankfulness as a fruit of the spirit, but I submit to you, perhaps we could think about thankfulness as the root of the tree. If there's going to be any fruit by the Holy Spirit of sanct sanctification and, and thanksgiving, is that not really the root? A thankful heart is where the fruit's going to come from, or a lack thereof. And you become able to face anything and be thankful. Remembering Romans 8.28, we know God works all things together for the good of them that love him, who are called according to his purpose. So we can be thankful for all things, knowing that one way or the other, he's working it to our good in this life and the next. We have a sense of his shepherding of us, his hand upon us at all times. 
Again, an attitude of gratitude always in all things comes from the Holy Spirit as its source. Look at verse 18. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, first of all, let's explain. A lot of people say, see, you're not supposed to drink alcohol. But notice here, don't be drunk. And then the Bible explains that is to do something in excess. So wine is not forbidden. Alcohol is not forbidden. Excess, immoderate use is forbidden because that's what leads to drunkenness. And drunkenness leads to all kinds of sins. And remember the scriptures say elsewhere that a drunkard should not expect to be in heaven. This habitual, by the way, it's not an ism. It's a sin that needs to be conquered in Christ. Okay? You are not these things anymore, Paul says. Right? That being said, what is the opposite of getting drunk with wine and acting crazy? Being filled with the Spirit. We're told to do that instead of being drunk with wine. But notice, instead of being drunk all the time, be filled with the Spirit all the time, which we're going to see is thankfulness. Doesn't it seem, beloved, that a sure sign of not appreciating God, a not, not appreciating in His providence, not appreciating the church and the body of Christ and our life we have, isn't it natural a person would often go to the bottle? Because isn't getting drunk a very clear aspect of not being thankful and so to try to drown your worries away because you can't deal with life because you're not thankful for it? That could be another sermon, but keep that in mind. It is expressed, this thankfulness from the Holy Spirit is expressed and grown by singing the songs of the Holy Spirit, making music in your heart, making merry music in your heart unto the Lord. Look at verse uh, 19. As you will be filled with the Spirit, you will find yourself speaking to yourselves, one another. So especially in worship, corporate worship, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, all of that is referring to the Psalter, remember. I won't give a sermon on that right now, but this is an actual great verse to prove why we sing psalms only and a cappella. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs is all related. Spiritual songs, by the way, if you translate it in the Greek, it means songs written by the Holy Spirit. Well, the only thing that's written by the Holy Spirit are the psalms for singing to one another. And as Jesus says, the psalms, as well as the law and the prophets, all speak of him. And if we're going to be singing psalms about the Lord Jesus in our heart, we're going to be thankful. This is a means of being thankful, of sustaining thankfulness and expressing thankfulness. Just as you express, oh, I'm so thankful about something, it just makes you feel happy. As Gabriel today, again, I mentioned earlier, uh, I woke him up and I said, Gabriel, do you know what today is? No. Okay, well, you know, oh, no, you know what tomorrow is, Monday. Oh, what comes after tomorrow? I don't know. Your birthday. That was like an alarm clock. <laughs> you know, no, he was sleepy. And as I brought him to the table to feed him breakfast with Gideon, Dad, thank you so much for helping me get excited. And, you know, he was thanking me for helping him get excited, reminding him. That's the idea. When we're thankful, we smile. We get excited. We're making merriment to the Lord. When we're thinking about the Lord and we are expressing appreciation for the Lord and the Psalms in their didactic element, that is, they are teaching us as God's word about God and ourselves and to be thankful to him. Often saying, I will offer up the sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving. We are developing a thankful spirit. We are cooperating with the Holy Spirit to be about the kind of life we should be. Constant thanksgiving. Constant expressions of appreciation, com appreciation coming from a heart that is appreciative all the time. Notice also before we go on, and again I won't make a sermon out of this, but making melody in your heart to the Lord. The Greek is to pluck the strings of your heart. You are the instrument of God's praises and thanksgiving. The Holy Spirit, the things typified of Christ in the Old Testament ceremonial system, some also typified the Holy Spirit being applied to us in the New Testament. And so you are now the instrument of praise. Wherever you go and you don't need to rely on anyone, you and your hearts are the instruments of plucking praise unto the Lord, making music in your heart, thankful wherever you go, singing as the Scottish Presbyterians are often known on the other side upon in this pond while they're plowing the land singing psalms together they don't just have them in corporate worship they sing them during their daily work 
and it does make you happy. I know I've shared with you recently before, but as we're driving up, especially on Mondays to Academy, the boys were all together, and uh, we start singing the Psalms, praising the Lord uh, to make sure we're starting the day well, and we just start to get really happy. And one of my sons has said, I think we're the happiest car on the road. And we were. It just It's so good to be happy and thankful to the Lord. I mean, it's a blessing to ourselves, but we bless the Lord in thankfulness. That being said, you see, it's coming from the Holy Spirit, verse 18. It is expressed especially in singing psalms that God wrote, the spiritual songs that God wrote in the Psalter. All those phrases are titles and words you find in the Hebrew Psalter, okay? It's talking about the parts of the whole. Okay, it's paraphrastically saying, sing the Psalter from your hearts, the instruments of the praise by the Holy Spirit. Okay, uh, now that's the particular manner and way of going about it. So that you are doing God's will for your life, verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God. Now, here's the other thing. The result of such thankfulness will be submissiveness to everyone all the time. Look at verse 20. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Beloved, I submit to you, and I think we've seen all kinds of examples of it over the last few years. There are more who are raising their hands against authority, calling themselves Christians, not likely full of thanks for how much God has put into their hands already. Making demands instead of recognizing all the mercies we've been given, including by the way of the authorities in family, church, and state. I don't think we are a very submissive people as Christians on the whole. I think we see it in the family. I think we see it in the church. I think we see it in the state. I think it's an epidemic, actually. I think it's an epidemic. Now, you can go to the source of that, and I think it's ultimately the responsibility of the authorities not demanding and expecting and teaching and discipling it. Nonetheless, how do we develop a submissive people ready to submit to God and his ways for salvation, ready to submit to God and his ways for his preservation and providence, ready to submit to those God puts over us in family, church, and state? And we just saw duties required and for sins forbidden studying the fifth commandment a little while ago in the evening, right, with the shorter catechism. How do we get there? Well, we need to pray it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And that that shows in singing the songs of the Spirit one to another. that We become psalm singers, praising Him from our hearts all the time. Getting to the place of where we become very thankful. And when we're not thankful, we become, we have a great sense of entitlement. And make demands we have no business making. Forcing ourselves upon others when we should be submitting to them in the fear of the Lord. Notice, to one another in the fear of God. And remember, that was one of the verses. We have responsibilities to one another as superiors to inferiors. Not just inferiors to superiors and equals to equals. We all have to be submitting to one another. And when we are doing our duties as superiors, we're doing hard work with more responsibility submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people who don't want such responsibility, never want to enter into it, and often shirk it, abdicate it, and run from it once they have it. Because if we're really submitting to the Lord, it's all service unto the Lord. It's all servicing one another. But we are born sinners. We naturally think about ourselves and wanting everyone to submit themselves to us. We need to remember to go back to Philippians 2. Our humility is how we'll have unity, and this is the mind of Christ. It starts with just being thankful all the time. I don't think we are a very thankful people. I mean, if you go around and you think about your experiences in the daily life and with other Christians, are you seeing and hearing and feeling people being thankful often? I don't think so. God have mercy on us. I'm not sure that could be said of me. Can it be said of you? May it be more and more. You know, even just how we handle difficult things and difficult providences, always looking at what's good in it and what could have been, it could always be worse. We could always be without Christ. That's the scariest thing I could think I could think of, to be going through life without Christ, without his purpose, without his plan. Appreciate what you have before it's gone. 
sometimes the Lord will make us appreciate it is by taking it away from us. And remember to thank the giver of all good things. Not just be thankful for the gift, but the giver. James 1.17. That to be especially considered this time of year. Don't be so obsessed with the gifts. Be focused on the giver. And don't wait until a certain date that has nothing to do with the scriptures. Be thankful every single day. Praise the Lord for his resurrection every single Lord's day. Hebrews 13, verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of your lips, giving thanks to his name. May we continually be giving thanks. You know, may the faucet never be shut off, right? May the window always be left, be left open. May it always be that anyone coming around us, and particularly God Almighty, thanks is continually coming out of our hearts and out of our mouths. This is the will of God for you. Psalm 146, verse 2, that you sang this morning, While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Beloved, I, I know that uh, we can have our challenges, especially as we get older. And I know I'm still one of the babies in the room, but I am finding myself dealing with things more and more as I approach uh, the half century mark that I never had to before. And uh, I'm finding myself needing to remind myself, well, that may be true, but thank the Lord. I can still do this. Thank the Lord for this or that. You know, maybe he'll heal me maybe he'll take this away but thank the Lord that I can be up and groan about it but let that groan turn into a song of praise because the other, as many will joke the alternative isn't as great although we'll be with the Lord Colossians three seventeen, and whatsoever ye do in word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Whatsoever ye do, word or deed, whatever you say, whatever you do, and of course, therefore, whatever you think. May it be that you're giving thanks to God in it. That can make you think of 1 Corinthians 10, 31. We're more familiar with whatsoever you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. But very much related is holiness, thanks, sanctification, and thanksgiving. The way we're going to be giving glory to the Lord all the time is by thanking him. What do you see in Revelation? What are they doing? Praising him. Praise and thanks are the same word in Hebrew usually, what we translate. We're not going to be in heaven and not being saying thank you all the time. That's going to be the natural expression of getting to be in heaven with God and not being in hell with the devil for eternity. Thank you, 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 Lord. And that should be the way we express ourselves all the times. Whatever you do, word or deed, be giving thanks. Or as Paul says in our text today, be giving thanks. If you're filled with the Spirit, filled with the songs of the Spirit, be giving thanks always for all things. And of course, unto God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, be thankful for God in all things for being alive to do so. Again, as you sang a similar verse, Psalm 104, 33. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Remember, Psalm 104 is all about singing about God's providence, God's providing for everything and everyone on the earth. While I have my being as he provides for me my daily bread, I'll be found praising and thanking him. I won't start a meal without stopping to say thank you. And if we let Matthew Henry influence us well with his book on prayer, I'll be sure to say thank you after I've filled my belly and enjoyed many tasty things in so doing. Paul says, be giving thanks always to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be so thankful that Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, is your shepherd and you are his sheep. Be so thankful always, 
so appreciative all the time for what Jesus has done taking you out of this world and where it's going. And be so thankful to Jesus for what he is guiding you through as your good shepherd who will never leave you nor forsake you. And be so thankful for where Jesus Christ is taking you, his father's house. And be thankful not only for Christ your head, but for Christ's body, the church. And clearly, 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 there is a lack of thankfulness for that in our, at least American church. As I've shared with you recently, Jason Halopoulos says the average churchgoer goes once a month. But we should be together thanking God every Lord's Day at the least and wanting to be saying Psalm 122 as we sing outside the door every morning before we come in on the Lord's Day for worship. I joyed when they said, let us go to the house of God. I pray for the peace of Jerusalem, the felicity of my brethren. First Thessalonians one verse two. We give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers. This is the same book, same letter where Paul says, Thanksgiving is God's will for you always. And naturally, then we'd be giving thanks for one another always. Don't forget to be regularly thanking God for one another. Don't get all hung up in who's not here or who doesn't come back. Focus on thanking God for who is here, who keeps coming back, who are covenanted together through thick and thin over the years, for many of you, over many decades. And thank God for what we all know is true. As we gather and worship him here together, he fills this place. Be thankful to God. Never cease giving thanks. Never cease praying for one another. First Thessalonians, or excuse me, Second Thessalonians 1 verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you. Brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Beloved, is that not something that we can say about one another in this church together? Let's thank God always. Certainly we're doing all we can to reach out to the communities, but the Lord Jesus Christ we should be thankful. And Revelation says to very, very small church, in contrast to the very, very big churches, by your endeavoring, by my spirit to be faithful, I will not allow your door to be shut. And isn't that a blessed thing to have Christ say to us rather than some of the other big churches that look more successful on the outside? I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. I'm going to take out your light. I'm going to kill your children if you don't change. So those are the kinds of things he says. Let's be thankful for one another. Let's be thankful for what the Lord has done in this church over the years. Let's not be tempted to complain about where we are and what we're at, but recognize the Lord works in and out of season. Thank God for him. Thank God for Jesus. I thank God for all of you. I look forward to come here and preach the word to you. I really do. And as I've told many of you, I feel like the place is full when God's here with us. And I pray and trust that you look forward. And Psalm 122 really is your heart. You're thankful and excited to come and be with God's people and worship him together. And you'd rather do it where the Lord mercifully lets his truth kiss and Semper Reformanda. You know, when I was in Pasadena, actually after I dropped uh, Olivia off a few days before the, went back up for the event I mentioned, uh, I was walking back from where I had uh, lunch, which I was very thankful for. Man, oh man, I never get the same thing twice, but when Mr. Renner and I were back, I got the same, I mean, it, I'll tell you what it is later. Turns out there's one in San Diego, by the way, so you don't have to go to Pasadena for it. But I was thankful and, you know, rolling my way back to the car because I was pretty full. <laughs> and I, I, I was walking through this area and I saw this incredible, Incredible edifice, this huge, gorgeous church building. I wasn't sure if it might be Roman Catholic. I, I looked around, but I noticed all kinds of signs, including out the outside in the yard with what they were giving for a quote-unquote testimony, that I didn't think this was a Christian church anymore, although they would not say that. I looked it up and wasn't surprised to find out what it was. 
And what I found was a whole lot of bad things. But when you see the picture, the church is full. The building is gorgeous and mighty and impressive. And the church is full of people doing whatever they want according to their own felt needs. Which they pretty much almost exactly said in their website. Had nothing about God, nothing to do with God. Many things that God calls evil, they called good and vice versa. And I said to myself, well, the building's impressive. I hope in its earlier years this wasn't the case. But I'd rather be in the dinkiest little place with nothing, with people who love Jesus and sacrifice to serve him according to the truth, than be filled with a whole bunch of pagan unbelievers with pagan practices on their way to hell. And God, not Emmanuel there. I'm thankful for you, beloved. I'm thankful that you still let me get to serve you. And I'm thankful we get to serve Jesus together. I trust you feel the same. Let it abound always. Don't be tempted to give up on one another. Don't be tempted to miss what you have in one another, in Christ, in us. But I'll submit something else to you. It's for your own benefit as well. This way you can also appreciate yourself. You can actually like to be with yourself. You can actually enjoy your own life in your private moments. You see, nobody likes to be around a constant complainer. You ever notice that? You pay attention in a group setting? Uh, some people know how to hook somebody and there's no getting away from them. <laughs> but most of the time people move away to other things. Nobody likes to be around a complainer all the time. What does God warn about in 1 Corinthians 10 and the history of most of the Old Testament church through numbers? Don't be complainers. Don't be murmurers. Talk about not being thankful, not being holy. God and the special manifestation in their midst and yet make us our golden calves. Send us back to Egypt. Let us die in the wilderness. And a lot of that happened because of a lack of thankfulness. See, when you're always seeing the glass half empty and you're always missing every cloud's silver lining, you're no fun to be around, including yourself. You're going to be a miserable person. You're likely to hate yourself. And that's when you can go to verse 18 and get drunk to try to escape yourself. An unthankful, unholy person. Not singing the psalms of God in praise. Not submitting to anybody because you're so angry and so defiant because you're so unthankful. But you become thankful for everything always. And you'll like being around you, yourself, better too. Indeed, beloved, as the psalms say, such as Psalm 103, count your many blessings. Recognize how God has dumped the, you know, taken a big truck and dumped all these blessings upon you. Name them one by one. If you need help being thankful, start to count them one by one. You'll never be done, but you'll find yourself starting to praise and be thankful. Look what God has done. Even the little things that are so easy to overlook, but are so easy to fill your hearts with praise. And that leads me to another refrain that we've uh, borrowed from Mr. Udin in Providence Christian College with his presentation. He shared about all their challenges, facing so many problems, wondering where the students would come the first year, wondering where the money was going to come from. And sometimes there was an up and down of that. And his refrain was, trust God. Trust God. Keep going. Trust God. And uh, you'll hear more about that tonight with the theme verse of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. But one refrain that we've borrowed again that he said was, you know, we would just say to ourselves, we get to do this. We get to do this. How often, because of sin and the, uh, the difficulties of the effect of sin on our work in this world, we... Forget that work is a gift from God before the fall. And by the way, that's the next Wednesday study coming up whenever this fella can get finished with his study. The next study is a book on work. Teach them to work. But if we're going to do that, be thankful. What do you see again about people who don't like to work? They're not thankful for anything. They expect everybody to work for them. Be thankful and say whatever the Lord has called you to. We get to do this. 
And I, I want to share, not to lift me up, but to humble me before you, but as an example, I hope we can all challenge ourselves with, every time I'm taking care of the property with my sons on the days we're on for it, I get so frustrated about the amount and the size of dog doo-doo on the outside of our fence. It makes me so mad. I'm so disgusted that somebody would be such a poor neighbor to us. The last two times I catch myself, I catch myself. The spirit catches me. So hear what I'm saying. My sinful nature, my first response is not holy. But then I'm like, what am I going to do? Go around and kick things. In it. Well, that's going to be a good witness to the neighborhood as I'm cleaning up. right? And the Lord worked on me again and said, help me say to myself, forgive me, Lord. If I get to clean poop for you, thank you. Thank you for the privilege that I get to clean up dog feces for you, Lord. Because as Paul says, all of my works are nothing but that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that I get to scoop this up and carry it around and smell it while I'm picking up all the garbage that our neighbors don't seem to think is inappropriate to throw on our property. Thank you, Lord. I get to give a witness to them that whatever happens, we are going to show that we care about our church. We care about our people. We care about the witness for the Lord. And many people have come, especially to the renters, because they're often doing the bulk of the work. And they have come and they have said, wow, we really appreciate what you're doing here, keeping such good uh, care of your property. And he won't like me to say this, but as you consider how much he works, do you know someone more happy than him? And if you know him just a little bit, it's going to be hard to find somebody more thankful than him. We get to do this. Do you know why it's a refrain for me? Because it's a refrain for him right now. We get to do this. Beloved, that's how you have to be in school. Young people, you go to school, do all things as under the Lord. I get to do this. I get to study. I get to learn. I get to grow in studying everything, which is all study in God. I get to do this. I get to focus on this right now instead of other things. I get to give my time and energy and attention to this. Woo! I get to do this. Working, tired, coming home, tired. Going through other issues. I get to do this. I get to do this. That's the attitude of appreciation and thankfulness. Beloved, how about this? If you only get to be remembered for one thing by your loved ones, wouldn't it be nice to have them say of you, he was always so thankful. She was always so thankful. He always appreciated everything he had. She always appreciated everything she had. Like Pastor Frank, pastor of the Atlanta Reformed Presbyterian Church of North America. We were there a number of years ago when Uncle John was getting married to Aunt Libby. And uh, he even invited me uh, uh, to uh, give the benediction at the end. I was very thankful for it, too. I just got an email, uh, kind of a newsletter his wife writes on his behalf. And they're sharing about how, uh, to their surprise, he needed to have quadruple bypass heart surgery this year. And as they were finding out things, it got pretty urgent. And as things developed, here's one thing along the process of getting tests and finding out what's going to happen. Here's one thing they shared. And I think what they say next is what is what we're talking about here. We were put in an observation area of the hospital, which is used for patients arriving by ambulance. Being in the basement, there were no windows. As a matter of fact, I would not be able to look outside for the four days I was in that room awaiting surgery. But there were no rooms available on the upper floors, and therefore we were stuck where we were. And this is the next sentence he wrote. Imagine the witness in that situation where probably plenty are complaining. By the way, the food was excellent! Exclamation point. Kudos to the chef! Exclamation point. Now that's appreciating all times. The dictionary definitions of appreciate from the Oxford languages says that to appreciate means to recognize the full worth of. 
to understand a situation fully, to recognize the full implications of. Consider that with Jesus Christ incarnate, crucified, dead, buried, raised again, ascended at God's right hand for you, representing you as the Lamb of God and the priest after the order of Melchizedek. Fully recognize the worth and implications of him and that. And how could you not be all the time appreciating him and appreciating all you have? Beloved, may you appreciate God. May Jesus Christ, may you just appreciate him. May you appreciate his church and your salvation. And may that permeate, permeate every area of your life in private and public all the time. This is not saying that you don't suffer. But there's a way to be going through that suffering, including, as Paul says, fellowshipping with Lord Jesus and his sufferings. This isn't to say that there's not a place for groaning out in the spirit when you don't have words over what you're going through. But it's never void or exempt of appreciation and thanksgiving for what it means for you in your context in Christ and the end of it all in the resurrection and living with him forever, giving him thanks and praise with your beloved. In the Lord. Beloved, appreciate everything always. That is, always be appreciative. And that is the message for you this morning from Ephesians 5, verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Always be appreciative. It starts with the heart. Starts with the Holy Spirit, starts with Christ. But if it is there, you'll be found singing. You'll be found making melody. It'll be seen in your eyes, in your countenance, in your face, and it'll be seen in the way you behave alone and with others, especially in the context of the body of Christ in the church. Always. Be appreciative. Christians, how could you not? How could you do anything else? But always be appreciative. Let us pray. Oh Lord in heaven, forgive us for how much we are not appreciative of you and all you do for us. Forgive us how we complain and murmur when they are supposed to be the example to us we know in the Old Testament of how not to act and behave. Lord, we know it starts with our hearts and our ability to perceive things by your scripture, by the Holy Spirit. And so we pray for more of the Holy Spirit. And we pray, Holy Spirit, you will work in us all your fruits and particularly grow the roots of thanksgiving and holiness. Oh, Lord, let us offer to you continually the sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving. And thank you. You refer to them as sacrifice. Sometimes it is sacrifice. We have to we have to sacrifice the way we feel, sacrifice our circumstances as excuses and just offer up praise and thanksgiving to you. For you are always worthy as our great creator and especially as our wonderful redeemer. Lord, help us to fulfill your will for the church and be thankful. Let us always appreciate you, God, our Father, you, the Lord Jesus Christ, you, the Holy Spirit, and all of our circumstances working for our good, ultimately for our end good. And, oh, Lord, let us be thankful for one another and express that to one another. I appreciate you. And, oh, Lord, that we will be giving our prayers up for one another expressing how we appreciate one another with constant thanksgiving. And let that be, in response to your commands, another way of saying, we appreciate you, O triune God. And we thank you for your call upon our lives and making us holy and calling us to holiness and thanksgiving all our days and forever in the eternal day. And we pray as you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Beloved, let us remember our Lord Jesus and continue to express our appreciation to him as we prepare to have the Lord's Supper and remember him. And may we, just like we appreciate sitting down to a good meal, may we appreciate that this meal has been prepared for us through the Lord Jesus coming from him, served by him, as a reminder that we will one day eat across the table from him, seeing him face to face at the great supper of the Lamb. This is not just to sustain you in perseverance, but to help you grow in thanksgiving toward that end, that eternal end. Beloved, I invite you to open your scriptures with me to the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 22, verse 7. <clears throat> Actually, I believe we turned there most recently. Let's, let's turn to the Gospel of Mark. Mark 14, which works out nicely because we'll be close to this this evening. Mark, well, before Luke, excuse me, I'm going the wrong way. Mark chapter 14, beginning with verse 12. And again, remember, we'll be back in this Gospel nearby this evening. Mark 14, uh, beginning with verse 12. We're going to institute the supper by remembering uh, the Lord and instituting it with his word. Mark 14, 12 to 25. Hear now the word of the Lord as you prepare for the Lord's Supper. And the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wheresoever he shall go in, say ye to the goodman of the house, The master saith, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. And his disciples went forth and came into the city and found as he said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And in the evening he cometh with the twelve, and as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful, and to say unto him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? And he answered and said unto them, It is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good word for that man if he had never been born. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and brake it and gave to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Beloved, I'd like to highlight to you verse 12 and relate it to verse 21. The first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? This is the last Passover meal. He's changing it into the Lord's Supper. First Corinthians says that Christ is our Passover. Why will you not be having meat in this meal today? Because he transitioned it. Verse uh, 20. Two, and he and as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and break it, gave it to them and said, take, eat, this is my body. Christ is our Passover. We don't slaughter an animal anymore because it was typifying Christ and he has come. He's the Lamb of God that takes away our sins. So we eat this bread now, though it would have been part of the meal. Recognize we're eating that and he speaks of it of his flesh because he is the real true Passover these things are pointing to. And remember the sacraments, the two sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper, one of the significant changes of the mode, uh, the significance remains and expands, but the mode changes related to the fact that Christ has come and shed his blood once and for all. He is the bread of life. He is the manna from heaven. He is the Passover. And so there's no more bloody sacrifice in either of the sacraments because Christ's blood has been shed once and for all. 
And so as he says, eat now, you remember, as you eat the bread and he speaks of his own body and blood, he's think, having you think back to the Pascal lamb, the blood put over the doorposts so that the, the spirit of the Lord, death would pass over. And so it passes over you and you are alive in Christ and will have eternal life because of Jesus Christ, your Passover. You're expressing by eating that you are spiritually taking of him and trusting in him for your life, for your salvation. Let us pray. Oh, Lord God, we do ask that you would bless us now as we come and partake of the supper, that you would feed our spirit and heart, that you would make it merry in the Holy Spirit, singing your psalms, being always thankful and submitting to you and to you in the way you run church and state. Lord, we do remember that we are to examine ourselves and that we should only eat or drink if we have come to that understanding with the supervision of the session so that we eat and drink not unworthily and bringing damnation to ourselves, but that we would discern your body, your merits, your mercy. And we acknowledge before you we are not worthy of the least of them. And yet we thank you that this supper reminds us to remember you and that in you and your sacrifice on the cross, your death, burial, resurrection, your ascension, having now applied the blood once and for all in the Holy of Holies, it is finished. We are forgiven. We have atonement for our real guilt and sins. We have forgiveness. For you even said you are forgiven. And that forgiveness allows us to be with God forever. May we ever rejoice. For we remember one of the Greek words uh, often translated that means thanksgiving is the way that the Lord's Supper is referred to as the Eucharist. So, Lord, let us be sorry for our sins, but so thankful for our salvation and express it to you as we take the cup and offer up the sacrifice of thanksgiving because of the perfect once and final sacrifice of Christ. We take this bread and this wine and we ask that you bless it O Lord as we set it apart now to a holy use remembering you have taken us from a common world and you have put us into the holy kingdom of Christ and call upon us to be holy as you are holy and you remind us you have made us holy and you call us saints in the blood of Christ and in his resurrection so Lord let us be thankful for all we have, let us especially appreciate your bodily and mentally suff mental suffering on the cross that you have spared us of forever in hell. And instead, let us appreciate that you have given the promise of heaven in the resurrection in your presence where there is fullness of joy at your right hand where there are pleasures forevermore. Bless us, Holy Spirit, to partake in truth and faith and feed and nourish us. In Jesus' name.